0: Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, a really fun and enjoyable way of reading the Bible is to pick a Bible character like David, Moses, Samson, and read about their lives and learn what they did that was good, what they did that was bad, and and learn the lessons that we can learn from their lives. Well, one such person that's pretty obscure in Scripture is Apollos. Uh, There's probably about seven or eight verses about Apollos, but there's enough information about him uh, to really study this man of God and what he did. So I'm excited to share some insights from Apollos today. So listen in and be blessed. And uh, you know, it's interesting, One of the, a, a neat way to read the Bible is to find a character in the Bible, a person in the Bible and study their life. And study what did they do good? What did they do bad? What worked for them? What didn't work for them? And we're going to do that today. And it's interesting in this this story of Apollos. There's this guy named Apollos. It's talked about here in in Acts 18. And um, we find out a lot about Apollos in just a few short verses. Just a few short verses. And I'll tell you what, Apollos has been inspiring me. From just looking at his life. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at him. You can do this with other people in the Bible. You can do this with King David. You could study about King David and find out there's a lot of information about him. A lot of the things that he did right and wrong that, that serves as a, a kind of a, a, a playbook for you to, to not make some of those same mistakes he did. But yet also he was a man after God's own heart. You can do that with Moses. You can do that with the Apostle Paul. It's a neat way of reading the Bible. It's just pick a personality and study their life and see what you learn. But anyways, we're going to do that with Apollos this morning. In Acts 18, 24, verses 24 through 28, I'll read them to you. And then we're going to come back and look at each of these verses individually this morning. Just very briefly here. So first of all, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria... Do you know where Alexandria is? It's not uh, in the suburbs of D.C. This is Alexandria and kind of uh, the north part of Africa there in, in Egypt. So it came to Ephesus. So he traveled quite a long ways, if you think about it. He either he came by, uh, by ship, but he, he ended up in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. He was a learned man. In other words, he studied a lot. With a thorough knowledge of the scriptures... We're starting to learn a lot about this Apollos guy, right? Uh, He had been instructed by somebody. We don't know who it was, but he had been instructed by somebody in the way of the Lord. Have you been instructed in the way of the Lord? Are you learning how to walk in God's ways? He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor. That means he was passionate. He got fired up whenever he talked. He wasn't a boring speaker, all right? He was... He had great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately. That's interesting. He didn't make up stories about Jesus. He, he spoke of Jesus accurately, though he knew only of the baptism of John. Interestingly enough, we'll touch on that today because we're having a baptism. He uh, let's see. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. That would be kind of the Jewish temple there in Ephesus. When this lady named Priscilla and this guy named Aquila heard about him, they invited in him into their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. What does that tell us? Well, this guy must have been teachable as well. He was receptive. He, he opened up. When, it, when the truth came to him, confronted him, he didn't just shut it down. He accepted it. When Apollos wanted to go to Ar- a- Achaia, that's a, a little deeper into Greece there, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. He was a great help. I want to be a great help to people. Do you? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a good way to be is to be a great help to somebody around. That's what Apollos was. So then we find out that he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. What an interesting guy this Apollos was. Now, there's not too many other scriptures about Apollos. We read in in Corinthians that Paul mentions Apollos and, and says that the Corinthian church was kind of picking and choosing one like Paul more as their kind of their spiritual leader. Another another one liked Apollos. So Apollos was well known in the Corinthian church. We also find, it's interesting at the end of Corinthians, that it looks like Apollos was with Paul when Paul was writing the Corinthian church because they wanted Apollos to come back to to Corinth. And Apollos apparently was saying, no, I'm not going to go right now. I'm going to stay right here because there's some friction. There's some problems going on. Some Bible scholars actually say, think that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews. So Apollos was centered to the early church, even though we don't know a lot about him other than what these scriptures say right here. But let's, let's start kind of at the top and, and dig in a little bit deeper. Again, you can do this with any Bible character, any personality in the Bible, and learn from them, and that's what we want to do this morning. So, going back to verse twenty-four, we find out that Apollos was a Jew, and that he was a native to Alexandria. And I was just thinking about this this week. You know, that's that's kind of like us. If if you kind of make a correlation here, we're what you call Christians. What, what's a Christian? A Christian is someone who's Christ-like. They're making every attempt by the grace of God and with the help of God to be like Jesus, to follow the example of Jesus. So as Apollos was a Jew, we're Christians, and yet he was a native to Alexandria. He was outside of his home turf, all right? He, he wasn't living in Israel. He was, he was outside of the country. And let me tell you what you and me, we're citizens of heaven, but yet we're living here on earth. We're a little outside of our element. We talk a little bit differently. We act a little bit differently. We react a little bit differently. Why? Because Jesus lives in our heart and we want to be more like him. So we might be a Christian, but we're a native of this world. We've got our feet in this world we live and work here we go to school here we're growing up here but you know what this isn't our home this isn't who we are our identities aren't stuck in this world i look at this in 1 corinthians 5 verses 9 through 10 uh the apostle paul he says i wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people or not at all meaning the people of this world all right who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters, in that case, you'd have to leave this world. You know, I'm not about going and living up in a monastery in Mongolia somewhere, all right? I'm not going to leave El Paso and go hide out in the desert to separate myself as a holy person. No, you know what? I live in El Paso. I work in El Paso. I go to church in El Paso. This is my city, and I embrace it wholeheartedly. Now, it doesn't change who I am. I'm a Christian, but I'm going to mix and mingle with the people of this world. I'm not going to be so separated that I'm no earthly good. That'd be no no benefit whatsoever. You see, God puts you here for a purpose. He wants you and me to shine the light of hope that we have in our lives. God's changed my life. I'm not the same person I used to be, and I want everybody to know it. I want everybody to know it. I'm going to be taking a trip here shortly. I I work full-time, so I'm going to be taking a trip and be hanging out with a bunch of people who are probably not Christians. I can't wait to let them know who my Jesus is. I can't wait, man. God's done too many good things in my life to not share it with somebody, all right? And sometimes it's just sharing with a smile, sometimes just sharing with a God bless you, man, looking them straight in the eyes and say, God bless you, all right? And, not, and, and letting God's love just flow out of you into other people. But look at this scripture in 1 John verse, or chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I love this scripture. This is one that just uh, uh, bangs around in my brain a lot. It just kind of, you know, bounces around. I think about it a lot, but it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not inside of them for everything in the world. And it names three things that are in this world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from God, our father, but it comes out of the stinky, dirty world that we live in, (laughs) that we're a part of. And sometimes we contribute to right. But you know what? God has freed me from the lust of the flesh. He's freed me from the lust of looking at things that I shouldn't. You know, I, I'm always on my guard. I want to make sure I don't slip up and look at something or, or, or desire something so strongly that it replaces God as, as God of my heart. But God has freed me from lust, and I'm so thankful for it. Never forget, I was on a, another business trip, and there was three of us that were working together out in California. And uh, uh, two of us were believers, and others we believed in Jesus, and, and were trying to follow him. And then the third guy, uh, he wasn't. And so um, I guess some really good looking woman walked by our, our table. I wasn't aware of it, but she walked, apparently walked by our table. And like two or three minutes later, the, the third guy says, how do you guys do it? And we're just eating our food. And I'm was like, what are you talking about, man? How do we do what? He said, how did you not look at that, that girl there? And so we got to share our faith of how God has set us free from that garbage, man, how he's changed our lives, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. But then it goes on in verse 17, it says, the world and its desires pass away. That materialism that we get all caught up in, is it wrong to have nice clothes or nice car or nice? No, it's not wrong. But if it consumes you, it becomes wrong for you, right? Right. And so the world and its desires, hey, all of this is going to pass away. But the, the guy, the girl, the, the, the man, the woman that does the will of God will live forever. I don't know about you. I want eternal life. I want to live forever with Jesus. Uh, in some form or fashion, the reality of it, all of us are going to live forever. It's just where do you want to spend eternity? Where do you want to spend eternity? I want to spend it with Jesus. So there's this, there's this thing that could be thought of, it's in the Bible, and, and contextually, it's in the Bible, but it's, it's this: We're in the world, but we're not of the world. <laughs> we're in it. I mean, there's no way of getting out of it. Sometimes we wish we could. When we problems start caving in in our, our lives, we want to get out of the world. But we're we're told this, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. This is not our permanent home. So then we read on about Apollos. He was a learned, some people would say learned man, but I say learned man. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. Let me ask you a question. How can you get a thorough knowledge of anything? Maybe it's math, maybe it's tennis, maybe it's uh i don't know computers how do you get a thorough knowledge of something you have to study it right <laughs> i mean how are you going to learn anything about god if you don't study about god how are you going to learn anything about yourself if you don't look in the scriptures which by the way the scriptures are called a mirror if you read the scriptures you're going to look at yourself and sometimes you're not going to like what you see <laughs> you're going to say that that's a, I need to do some work here. I need God to do some work in my life here. But how are you going to know anything about God and, and eternity and what sin is and what righteousness is and what eternal life is and what eternal death is? How are you going to do it if you don't study? I don't have my phone on me, but my Bible's on my phone. All right. I'd be holding it right here if I had it. It, it rang a couple of Sundays ago and so I try not to keep it on my purse whenever I'm starting to talk here. But I use the Bible app and I study the Bible to learn more about Jesus, to learn more about myself, to learn more about his plan for my life. You need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. And there's all kinds of excuses why people don't read their Bibles. And I've, I've used every excuse there is in the book. All right. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough retention. When I read, I don't remember. Uh, it's too hard to read. It's too complicated. It's too thick. It's The print's too small. You could come up with a gazillion excuses for not reading your Bible. It's, it's There's no good enough excuse. There's just no good enough excuse. If you want to grow up spiritually, you've got to feed yourself by reading the Bible. So in, in 2 Timothy 2.15... Paul tells Timothy, his spiritual son, he says, study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. You see, Apollos studied. He applied himself. He got up. So what's a good habit? How do you do this? How do you carve out a little bit of time in your busy schedule? Well, I have to do it in the morning. I gotta get up in the morning before I start working, before I go and do all my stuff. I make time to read the Bible. I make time to read the Bible, it's good for me. Do I understand everything I read? No. Do I retain everything that I read? No, but I still read it because God blesses me through it. You can pick a book like the book of Psalms and just start reading through the Psalms. Anybody can do it. I've ha- I can think of two people who come across who literally had a hard time reading anything. Like they had remedial reading skills, adults here, that started reading the Bible. And I'm telling you, some miraculous something happened and they started being able to read like you wouldn't believe. Like read out loud. I'm telling you, you put your, you put your back, your, your, your shoulders, whatever, into, into getting close to God. You're going to be rewarded for it. You're going to be blessed for it, and that's what Apollos did. He was a learned man; he had a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. In Acts seventeen eleven, let me just read this to you. It's about the Bereans. There was a, a part of of the area there, and I can't remember. I think it was in, in modern day Turkey as well. In, in the Bereans, the people from this town, it says they were more noble and open minded than those from Thessalonica. I always struggle with that word. So they received the message of salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ. With great eagerness, they examined the Scriptures daily to see if the things they were being told were so. Hey, don't take my word for it. You get into the Bible and find out for yourself. Study the word for yourself. It's only going to help you. In John 8, verses 31 through 32, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you abide, what does it mean to abide? Well, to abide means to just stay. So if I decide I'm going to abide here on this little piece of platform, I'm just going to abide. That means I'm going to stay. I'm not going to move. All right. Well, you can abide. You can stay in God's word. You can get your mind and say, you know what? I'm going to meditate on the things that I read this morning. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to abide. Then it says, if you will abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, this is Jesus speaking. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. We sang about it this morning. How can you be set free? If you know the truth, you will be set free. You say, I'm, I have secret addictions, Steve. I have hangups. I have Uh, a a way of thinking that I just can't break this, this habit, the cycle of thought pattern that I have. If you know the truth and you apply yourself to what the Bible says, those patterns of thoughts or attitudes that you have, they will be broken in the name of Jesus. I've seen it happen dozens and dozens and dozens of times in my own life with just practical stuff. I've had this, this thought that it just plagued me all my life you can't do it. That's the thought. This constantly goes through your mind. You can't do it. It's too hard. It's too hard. You can't do it. You can't. Well, as I've grown closer to the Lord, that thought has diminished and diminished and diminished until now. I almost think I can do anything. <laughs> you know why? Because the Bible tells me I can, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see the power of the truth of God? It breaks these crazy thoughts. We call them strongholds. The Bible calls them strongholds. It'll break that thought and set you free. But you've got to know it first. How do you know it? Get a thorough understanding of the scriptures, as Apollos did. Let's read on. Uh, in verse, I believe, 25 now of Acts 18, it says. Uh, He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only of the baptism of John. So let's look at this, the way of the Lord. Somebody, I don't know if it was his mom, his grandma, a lot of people that I come across, they have some level of Christian background, some level of knowledge of Jesus because of a grandmother or because of a mom that kept praying for them. And I want to tell you, moms, the most powerful Uh, person on earth the most powerful thing on earth is a mother's prayer a mother's prayer moms if you pray and this goes for your dads too but mom if you pray for your kids there's nothing more powerful than your prayers god is going to answer your prayers so we see here uh the way of the lord so somebody taught him the way of the lord we know who it was look at this. Let's think about, okay, I'll read it to you, but just hear me out. Our ways, way of thinking and way of living is down here. God's way of thinking and living is way up here. So let me give you a verse that proves that out. All right. Our ways are way below God's ways. And somebody had instructed Apollos how to get off of his way and onto God's way of doing things. All right. So look at this in Isaiah 55, verses eight through nine it says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Duh. <laughs> That's for sure. I wish I had God's thoughts flowing through my brain, but I have my own puny, dumb, depressing thoughts, uh, sickly thoughts, human thoughts flowing through mine. But it says my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither my ways, your ways, declares the Lord for as high as the heavens are above the earth. How high is that? I don't know. That's really high, like miles and miles and miles high. It says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways, God's ways, higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Well, somebody had instructed Apollos how to get out of the low way of thinking and put him on a very high way of thinking and acting. And I don't know about you, I want to get up there too. I'm tired of living down here under my problems. I want to start living up here above my problems, on top, dominating my problems, dominating my life, you know, being in control once again of my thoughts, actions and reactions and plans. And so what, what our God's was, well, we could talk hours and hours. We're not going to do that. So don't worry, but we could talk hours and hours about God's ways, but let me just give you a sampling of God's ways, So we can can, kind of get the picture here. Um, here it is one thing. If you were in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation for you. Now, my way is I've condemned myself. I beat myself up. I have regrets. I, I even hate myself sometimes, but God says, Whoa, Whoa, time out that's your way. Now let's get up here on my way. And I want to tell you something. Steve who's talking to me. He said, I want to tell you something. If you're in my son, Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. There's no more regrets. There's no more looking at the past and beating yourself up. There's no more condemnation for you. If you were in my son, Christ Jesus, that's God's way. So that's one example. Let me give you another quick, quick example. And this one I've learned I wish I could share with you all the details so that you get it, but I'm telling you, God is my provider. I used to live down here thinking that my employer was my provider, and some of you, you know, you're on a fixed income, maybe Social Security or whatever, and you think the government's your provider, Uh uh-uh. No, God is your provider. You get lifted up out of that way of thinking up to here, and you say, God is always going to provide for my needs. He's always going to do it. That's God's way. It's different. It's higher. It's more wonderful. Do you still have to work hard? Yes. Do you want to just sit at home and expect God to throw a bunch of you know, million bucks in your lap? That's not going to happen. He wants you to work, but I'm just saying he's going to provide for your needs. He's going to provide for your needs. Super awesome. Super cool. I got several more, but I'm not going to do them because we are not have enough time. It also says here in the scripture about Apollos that he, he, he spoke with great fervor. He had great fervor. He had great passion. Have you ever felt blah before? You're like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about my life. I don't care about tomorrow. And you just feel blah. You could care less. God wants to put some passion in your life. He wants to get you fired up. He wants to ignite your heart and he wants you to burn for him, not in a bad way. Don't You don't want you to burn up. Like... But he wants you to be on fire for him. He has a plan for your life. He has a calling on your life. He has the equipping that you need to fulfill. But he wants you to be passionate about him and, and his work. And so when I lose my passion and I feel blah, like I just described, and we all go through it, You know what I do? I do a simple thing. I simply say, Jesus, would you put, I've lost my passion, Lord. Would you put it back in me again? And I'm telling you, it's not a matter of minutes, hours, possibly a couple of days when God has reignited me and rekindled in me that passion that I need to live from day to day. So if you're lacking passion in your life, go to the source of passion and let God put a fervor in you. He let him get you fired up. It works every time. Why? Because it's his will. It's his will, and you're praying according to his will. So we also find that Apollos, uh, let, let me just reread it again because we probably lost track of it. It says he was instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor. He taught about Jesus accurately, and it's so important that we represent Jesus To all of those around us, accurately represent like I'm a representative of Jesus. In other words, I'm presenting him again and again and again. I'm representing Jesus everywhere I go. or I should be at least. And I need to do so accurately. Now, this gets on my nerves big time. Whenever we talk to somebody and say, you know what? Um, I think God is just love. I think he's in ah, God would never send anybody to hell. No, I think God is this way. I think God is that way. I think, shut up already. God is who God is. You can make God up in your mind until the cows come home and you missed it. You need to represent Jesus accurately. You know how you can know who Jesus is and what he stands for and how he, read your Bible and you will find out who the man Jesus Christ is, who the son of God Jesus Christ is. You need to represent him accurately. Don't make up some God in your mind. He is who he says he is. <laughs> in fact, throughout the Old Testament, especially with Moses, he kept saying, I am. I am. And the Bible says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same always. And he's always relevant to our society. He doesn't, he doesn't get, oh, archaic and not relevant anymore. Not. No, no, no. God is useful as he was today, as he was a million years ago. And it, you know, he's the only one that's been around for a million years, by the way. (laughs) All right. So, so let's, uh, let's read on a little bit more about Apollos. It says he spoke boldly in the synagogue. Now, I want to tell you, this is a kind of an interesting angle here, but I just thought of it. It's, it's been impressed on me, if you will. You're not going to speak boldly in public until you pray boldly in private. If you have meek, puny, weak little prayers in private, you're not going to speak boldly in public either. I tell you what, when Jesus walked through the town and there was somebody sick, you know what he did? He reached down and prayed for them. He spoke to the sickness and it left. He spoke boldly. If there's somebody who was demon possessed or oppressed by the, the enemy, he spoke boldly and that person was set free. And I tell you what, boldness needs to start when we're praying by ourselves. You could call it in our prayer closet or we, you might be in your car. Begin to pray boldly to the Lord. He's listening to you. You've got his ear. It's time to start praying boldly. Boldly. The Bible says to come boldly before the throne of grace and ask God for help in your time of need. Stop trying to figure out your problems on your, by yourself and, and being your own, uh, your own resource. God is your best resource. Begin to pray boldly for your wife or for your husband or for your kids, boldly, and say, In the name of Jesus, I pray that your will would be done in their life. God hears those prayers. And I'm telling you what, when you start praying that way and you get serious with God, you're going to start being bold in public as well. But first things first, get bold with God in private. In Mark 11, verses 22 through 25, I love it. Jesus says, have faith in God. What is faith? It's boldness. It's saying, I am confident that my God is going to come through for me in this situation. I'm bold before him. I have faith. Jesus says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Why? Because that person had bold faith. Had bold faith. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you received it and it will be yours. Now, this, this scripture has been misrepresented, uh, misapplied, misused. You don't go out, I'm going to ask for a Ferrari and I expect it to show up in my front yard tomorrow morning, it's going to happen. That's not what this prayer is talking about. This prayer is about talking in desperation for somebody who's dying of cancer or for someone who's, who's has neglected uh, maybe a, a loved one This is the kind of bold praying that we're talking about saying, you know what? This addiction, which represents a mountain to this person, I'm speaking to this addiction in the name of Jesus. And I command it to be removed off of that person's back and let them be set free in the name of Jesus. That's what this scripture is talking about. This is talking about somebody who's, you know what? They just don't have any backbone in life and they just keep making the same stupid mistake over and over again. I'm speaking to myself, by the way. All right. And, and you know what? You say, God, put a backbone in that person. Remove this mountain of weakness off of them and let them start being the man or woman of God that they were created to be. That's what this scripture is talking about. You can pray for coworkers this way. You can pray for loved ones this way. You can pray for a perfect stranger this way. We were driving uh, on the west side the other day. So this pitiful little family who was taking a little break from, from begging on the streets. There was a kid that was probably eight years old and the mom was over there sitting because it's hot and tired of begging. And you know what? Tina and I started praying powerfully for that man, for that woman and her child. Powerfully. So you can pray for strangers this way as well. Begin to take the bull by the horns and be used of God to pray boldly. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. those people that you come into contact with that you care about that you love all right but then we find out we read on about apollos is this good so far is this helping you praise god it's been helping me this week i'll tell you what um says apollos and aquila this this man and and wife team that we won't get into a lot of they were they were awesome people too by the way you could study about them and learn more about them but they heard about apollos And they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately, more adequately. You see, there's something about Apollos that I just love, and it's that he was teachable. He was teachable. You know, he had a passion. He was fiery. He was out there in front doing what he needed to do. But somebody tapped him on the back of his shoulder and said, here, Apollos, let me just show you one real quick thing. And you know what I found? I want to learn from everyone around me, 360 degrees. I want to learn from those above me. Those uh, below me might be younger than me. I'll tell you, I've learned more from my children than i probably learn equally from just about any other place. I learn from my kids all the time. Now, what would it be like if I was so prideful, I always tell them, that, you guys don't know squat. What do you, do? shut up, man. Just do what I tell you to do. You know, a lot of parents do that and they don't learn we should be sponges. We should be learning experiences. I'll watch a movie and I'll feel like God shows me something out of the movie. You know, I'll read a book. I'll have an experience. I'll talk to a friend of mine. And I, I just soak up stuff. I want to learn more. I want to grow more. I want to be I want to be smarter, <laughs> you know, spiritually and professionally and personally. I want, I want to grow. And the only way I'm going to grow is if I keep learning, if I'm teachable teachable, be moldable in God's hands. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, I, was a a time when I had two really good business mentors, man. Neither of these guys were necessarily godly, but I learned so much from them. They were so advanced and they began to just pour into me. And then after it was about nine years after I graduated from college, I didn't feel like I had a mentor anymore. I was, I went to God and I said, God, give me another coach. Give me another person who will pour into me. And I felt the Lord tell me, can I be your coach? Can I be the one that, that teaches you and trains you? And i tell you what, ever since that day, I've grown exponentially because God always is teaching us. Yes, amen. The only problem is not God, it's me. <laughs> I don't want to, no, oh, no, don't, I'm, I know what I'm doing, God. Here, just get back over to your corner, right? You do that you're already heading the wrong direction. Receive instruction from God. His, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is always trying to give you wisdom. It talks about in, the, in Proverbs. Wisdom, it says, wisdom is at the top of every street corner, shouting, trying to get people's attention. Don't be a fool. Don't, don't go down the wrong path. But most people won't listen to wisdom because they're not teachable. When are you going to learn from your experiences that are trying to teach you? God uses your experiences to get your attention. When are you going to learn from your experience to start being taught of God and make different kinds of decisions? God is always trying to teach us. We learn. That's how we learn. Uh, I love this. In Luke 8, verse 18. This is really good right here. It says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Man, you could just sit there and ponder that one for a while. Be careful how you listen. For some of us just need to listen to begin with. But then be careful how you listen because there's conflicting voices in our minds. Some people hear voices. I'm glad I don't. But you have conflicting voices and they're pulling and pushing you. Be careful how you listen and to who you listen to and what thoughts you listen to. Because it says here, whoever has, in other words, they have some wisdom. They've actually learned something. Whoever has some, you know what's going to happen? More is going to be given to them. More wisdom. You listen to God. He says, all right, hey, I'm proud of you. Let me give you a little bit more wisdom. And pile on a little bit more wisdom. And before you know it, you feel so rich inside. God's wisdom is so rich. You're like, forget the money. Forget You know, physical success, I just want more of this wisdom because it's so stinking rich. I love it. Give me more, God. It says, whoever has some, they'll be given more. But whoever doesn't have, in other words, they haven't been listening at all. And they've thrown their life into the toilet. You know, what they think they have will be taken away from them as well. Man, that's scary. But that's the spiritual laws that God has put in place. And we've got to live by. Listen, listen to God's voice. Amen. So I'll just give you a quick example. This has been good. I have struggled all my life with feeling overwhelmed. Does anybody struggle with feeling overwhelmed? All right. Like overwhelmed, like just, ugh. I just wish all my work would just level out a little bit. Stop bunching up all at one time. And I just feel overwhelmed. And it's so cool. As an example of being teachable about two weeks ago, I felt the Lord tell me, you don't have to feel overwhelmed anymore. <laughs> With a little emoji. You don't have to feel overwhelmed anymore. And you know what? I could have said, yeah, but God, I have 25 things I'm trying to juggle right now. But instead, I felt the Lord say, it doesn't matter if you have 25 things. It doesn't matter if you have 100 things. You don't have to feel overwhelmed anymore. And you see... I've been saying, okay, I want you to teach me, God, how to not feel overwhelmed. (laughs) Teach me. And so every time I get that sense of being overwhelmed, I say, you know what? No, God told me I don't have to feel this way anymore. I'm free from it, you see? And God starts showing you these little tidbits, man, this good stuff that's practical, that's helpful for your life, and you're teachable, and you say, okay, God, even though I have 25 things, I'm not going to feel overwhelmed anymore. And you just resist it. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. That's just an example. Man, we better hurry up so we can baptize Corey here. <laughs> just a few more thoughts. So Apollos, going back to his, his the verses here about him, verse 27. When Apollos went to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters... Encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there in that town that he was going to to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by the by grace had believed. He was a great help. And I'm just learning, learning, oh, it's so easy to get so busy. So speaking of overwhelmed, you get so busy that you don't have time to be helpful to others. And it's so dangerous. We've got to carve out time in our busy schedules just to be helpful. And, and just to, to, to say, you know what, I'm not going to think about myself. I'm going to think about someone else here. And I'm going to just help them. I'm going to figure out what we can do to be helpful. And God wants you to 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 make time to sit down with that person. If you're in school, look, and I've done this before. You know, you come into, if you're an adult, you come into a place where you may not have a lot of friends. I, I come into these situations where you... You come into a room and everybody's talking. You're like, where do I fit in? I feel awkward, you know. And, and so you go and try to mix and mingle with somebody. And, 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 but if you'll pull back and you look at all these people, you see all these people in the fringe that are feeling just like you feel. <laughs> this happens at school. This happens with adults. Go find somebody who's alone and go talk to them. <laughs> go find somebody who's missing something and go help them meet their need. You know, go be helpful. And that's what Apollos did. He was a great help to those around. Is that what's said about you? Are you a great help to those around you? Only you know and only those around you know. But I encourage you to do that. Make time each week to help someone. Take the focus off of yourself and focus on someone else's needs. Lastly, verse 28 Apollos vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. And I'm going to twist, put a little spin on this as well, but it's time for us to vigorously refute the fleshly thoughts that cross our mind using scripture. And it's, it's really kind of a common theme throughout this whole sermon today is, is the battle of the mind. The battle of the mind. You have thoughts that are accusing you, tearing you down, and it's time for you to start vigorously refuting those thoughts that are trying to tear you and your family up, tear your life down. It's time for you to do something about it. And I want to just give you a quick scenario, how you can do this, okay? you can. I, I'm going to pretend to be you or Or you can just watch me in action. But I'm going to take Isaiah 54, verses 13 and 17. And I'm going to play this out as if I'm just talking to myself and you can watch me in action. It says here in verse 13, all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. So let's just put a scenario that maybe you're worried about your child or your grandchild. And you're seeing that they're kind of not walking in the direction that you wish that they would, that you know God would have them walk. What do you do? Well, the thoughts, you can start getting worried. You can say, well, they're going to turn into a mess. Their life is going to get messed up. They're never going to mount to a hill of beans. And you can go down that path. or You can stand up and you say, you know what? I'm going to refute those thoughts in the name of Jesus. I'm going to refute those thoughts. I'm going to say, you know what? The scripture says here, all my children, and you can say your grandchildren too, all my children are going to be taught of the Lord and great is going to be their peace. And I'm going to refute these thoughts, these negative thoughts that are going through my mind with the scripture, with the word of God. You see, you can do this. You can do this. You don't have to give in to those thoughts that are terrorizing you. But this same scripture goes on in verse four, 14, it says, in righteousness, you will be established tyranny will be far from you You will have nothing to fear you will have nothing to fear and you could just use that are you worried are you panicked are you anxious about something the bible says you have nothing to fear you see and you can begin to refute that fearful thought and say no 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 not in this mind not in these the not between these two ears No, no, no. In the name of Jesus, I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to fear. And you began to refute it. But what if you don't read your Bible? You're not going to know this stuff is even there. It's not going to help you. All right. If you come once a week to church just to get your your fill, you're not doing yourself any favors. You see, You go pull Isaiah 54 out. You go find these scriptures. You go apply them as I'm showing you as an example today. You can do it. And you need to do it. And you should do it. All right? Let's stop relying on me to do it or someone else to do it. You do it for yourself. And many of you are. And I'm so thankful for it. It goes on and, and says, Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. Well, in a day and age where, you know, there was shooting yesterday. I can't remember what's now. I think it was in Florida. Is that where it was? It's like, you know, no, in the name of Jesus, terror is going to be far removed from me. And it will not come near me. Praise God. See, you start you refuting these thoughts of of anxiety, of panic that we all have. All right. it Says if anyone does attack you. Which it happens, doesn't it? Don't you get attacked at work sometimes? You get attacked by a family member, maybe not physically, but you get assaulted, you know, from what somebody thinks or says about you. It says, if anybody does, though, it's not the doing of God. It says, it's not my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. (laughs) Wow, that's powerful. So you start claiming the Word of God and refuting this victimized mentality that you have. Say, I'm not putting up with these thoughts anymore. In the name of Jesus, I am, I am using the Word of God to take control of my thoughts and my anxious thoughts. I'm just going to skip down here, just the end of this. No weapon forged against you is going to prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Some of you are being accused even right now for stuff accused of this, accused of that. You know what? The Bible says that in the name of Jesus, you're going to refute every tongue that accuses you. Every tongue that accuses you. And guess what? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage for every Christian, man or woman, boy or girl, teenager, young adult. This is the heritage heritage of the Lord. I'll tell you what. Study the Bible. Apply it. Use it. Practice it. And you are not going to be victimized at all, man. You're going to be a victorious Christian just like Apollos was. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for this time. Lord, we thank you, God, for this example of Apollos, Lord God, who is a, Lord, he refu—he vigorously refu- refuted his opponents, Lord God. He was teachable, Heavenly Father. He was yeah he was a a native of this world but he didn't necessarily just fit the mold of this world thank goodness lord he was he was different he stood out lord god he he had a sense of passion and fervor in his life that drove